Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back to the 133rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today, we're going to talk to Kashawn Thompson and Lily Workney about their newest book, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, 100 Real Life Tales of Black Girl Magic. Lily Workney is an award-winning journalist who is passionate about impactful storytelling. She previously led HuffPost Black Voices and later served as the editor-in-chief at Blavity News, where she directed the platform's mission to amplify, unpack, and celebrate the many aspects of the Black millennial community. Lily has since joined Rebel Girls as head of digital content and is a Forbes 30 Under 30 2018 honoree. Kashawn Thompson is the brilliant mind behind Black Girls or Magic and the hashtag Black Girl Magic. She believes in the phenomenal power and skill of Black women and girls. A passionate advocate of the work, will, and wonder of Black women, Kashan champions their many causes online and in her everyday life. She lives right outside of her hometown of Washington, D.C. in Mount Rainier, Maryland, with her husband, two cats, and the various children and grandchildren who visit daily. So welcome, Kashan and Lily. Hello. Thanks for having Hello. us. Hello. Thanks for having us. Oh, of course. Of course. So I have this wonderful book right in front of me, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, 100 Real Life Tales of Black Girl Magic, that just came out, right? Yes, it did. It was publishing um, September 28th. It's available for pre-order right now. That is awesome. This is like the fourth volume. Is that correct? It is, yes. In the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls series. Yes, yes. So I love this book. And it's got great stories, great illustrations. And last night I was reading this book and I stayed up way too late reading the good night stories. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was because they're so interesting and so diverse. And I'll just tell you just right away. What I loved about it is it's from famous people to some people that I don't know. And but you start with their obstacles or hurdles that they had to get through. So it's like, I think every girl can relate to, okay, they weren't like just perfect. So they had these obstacles and hurdles and then their courage and their strength to push through and accomplish really some pretty amazing thing. I love this book. And I think the illustrations are absolutely fabulous. 
Kashan, can you tell me the ages of your kids? I have two children. My daughter is 27. My son is 22. But when I got married, I inherited, I gained, I procured the tribe that I got when I became a bride is what I called them. And <laughs> so to that, in that group, I have a 29-year-old daughter, a 24-year-old daughter, a 22-year-old daughter, a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old son. And those daughters have given me 5.5 grandchildren. I have four-year-old grandson, Julian, four-year-old grandson, Marcos, almost two-year-old granddaughter, Naomi, then almost two-year-old grandson, Nathaniel, one-year-old grandson, Jeremiah, and baby Mia should be here in the next two weeks. Wow, that is a tribe. Yes. (laughs) I love that. So what inspired this new volume focused on Black women? Yeah, well, this is, like I said, the fourth volume in the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girl series. The other three books um, really focused on 100 extraordinary women around the world. The first two volumes did, and then the third volume spotlighted 100 immigrant women who changed the world. And we, you know, Rebel Girls thought it was um, high time to celebrate and center the stories of Black women and girls. It's a big diversity gap in children's books. And this was a way to sort of help fill that void and to center Black women's stories in a volume that really captured the essence, the history, and the glory of Black women. And we, you know, Rebel Girls came to Kashan first as a mother of the Black Girl Magic movement and hashtag to incorporate and collaborate with her in the creation of this book. And then I joined shortly later and signed on as soon as I found out Kashan was involved to help edit this book. Um, Cause my, prim- my background had primarily been in black media and leading various um, black media platforms. We came together to help create and curate this book along with 60 other black women, illustrators and non-binary artists and three other writers to um, create a book about black women by Black women from cover to cover. So a lot of incredible creators came together for this new book. Can you tell us more about the process? Oh, yeah. Well, it's been about a year-long process. We started around this time last year, so uh, fast and furious in order to get this out and released um, within a year. A really awesome and collaborative process. We you know, wanted the women who were and non-binary artists who were contributing to the book to be as diverse and as reflective of the audience. And the same goes for the women we decided to feature in the book. And so we identified, you know, illustrators from all over the world who represent 17 different countries. And same for the writers. There are three other writers, two African-American women, one Kenyan woman and myself. I identify as Ethiopian-American. And then we have Kashan who wrote the foreword and also helped to put her mark on almost every part of the book in terms of the women we selected and carrying through the true essence and spirit of Black Girl Magic. So yeah, we went through many rounds and revisions of how to tell the stories, both the way they were written and the way they were visually portrayed, making sure that the illustrations showcased the women in their best light and that they were accurate in terms of body image and size and hair texture and and skin complexion and all the things. So we are pretty proud of the final product and think it's reflective of many Black women from all around the world, from different cultures and backgrounds and professions. And so it's been a wonderful, magical process. (laughs) So how did you choose the 100 women girls in this book? Well, that was a process because we had so many names. We could have done 500 stories of real life Black girl magic. 
But we had four categories that we wanted to fill. And they were creators, innovators, leaders, and champions. So we just, you know, divvied them up and did some soul searching and some, you know, vetting. And, you know, we were sad that we couldn't include every story we wanted to, but we think that the stories that we did include, you know, very reflective of Black girl magic in big ways and small ways. So we were thinking that every girl, every kid that gets to read this book Will find themselves somewhere in a story. Yeah. Like you have everything. Like if I was a girl reading this book, I would think I could do anything because you have a scientist, a composer, an empress, a queen, fighter pilot, author, actor, chess player, tennis player, chef, environmentalist, fashion designer, dancer, choreographer, astronaut, singer, activist, architect, boxer, filmmaker, mathematician, poet, vice president, and lawyer and the Duchess of Sussex. So do y'all have some favorite stories or could you share some backstories about some of these girls and women? Yeah, well, it's hard to pick some favorites. I'll say that up front because, you know, all the stories resonate with us in, in different ways. So I have a lot of ones that really stick out to me the most, but I can't say any one or two are my favorite, but I do love the list that you just read off because yeah, that is like, it does encompass sort of the diversity of the different types of professions and um, accomplishments Black women have made throughout time. For me personally, with my background being in media and journalism, the storytellers in the book resonated with me the most. So I really loved the fact that we got to include women like uh, Ida B. Wells, who was an investigative journalist, who really was a big part of leading the crusade against America and bringing that to light. There's also women like Joanne Reed, who's a more present day media figure who is an anchor right currently on MSNBC, but also one of the personal inspiring figures for me in uh, my career and helped play, um, play a big part in my role in my journey through media. So I was very grateful to be able to include her. There's Toni Morrison, who's one of the you know most prolific writers we know to date. Audre Lorde. Uh, Octavia Butler, who's a science fiction legend and the, you know, queen of Afrofuturism. So those women in particular, you know, as well as women like Ava DuVernay, who is a storyteller and uses the medium of film and filmmaking to tell and amplify stories of the Black experience, um, to Issa Rae, to Marseille Martin. So lots of different ways that women in the book have been able to talk about and celebrate Black women's stories and the Black experience overall. But those, I would say, are some of the key women who stand out to me personally the most. So did you interview them or did you just research them or combination of that? Combination of the two. I mean, we reached out to all the living um, subjects in the book to let them know that they'd be included and to give them an opportunity to complete a questionnaire so that they could tell us their stories from their own words. And so we took all that into consideration as we wrote the stories ourselves and passed that information on to the writers. But we also did a rigorous amount of research to look through um, interviews women have done and ways that they've talked about their own journeys in, in various settings and what we, from scavenging whatever we could online and in books and in magazine articles, et cetera, to, um, to gather all that information and then did a thorough fact-checking of that process to ensure everything was accurate and that we um, portrayed them in the ways that they would want to be portrayed, especially for those who are no longer living. So that's, yeah, we went through pretty intense process on that front. And all the stories are told in a sort of fairy tale format, 
which was intentional. And they sort of start off with a once upon a time sort of theme. But that was our way of sort of reclaiming the fairy tale narrative, because uh, so often fairy tales aren't rooted in reality, right? And these stories are very much uh, rooted in the real life tales, as we say, of Black girl magic. So we intentionally, you know, sort of took that approach with the storytelling aspect of it and infused parts of their childhood and lessons they've learned along the way to help teach kids, you know, important life lessons that they can take away from and be inspired by. That's great. So what were some of the questions you asked on the questionnaire? We asked questions like, what is something you are truly proud of? What's an accomplishment you're truly proud of? What's a little known fact about you that people may not know? What does Black Girl Magic mean to you? And how do you feel you best exemplify that? Well, if you could describe yourself in one or a few words, what would that be? Sort of getting them in a place to help describe themselves in the ways they see themselves so that we weren't always putting those words together for them. So those were some of the questions that we asked and we did as best as we could to show and not just tell their stories, right? So really using descriptive language and just helping to set the scene for kids and making as much of a visual experience for them to be able to visualize and imagine what it was like, you know, at different points in, of time and periods and in history, as well as some of the personal experiences people went through and talking about um, and writing about it in a way that really helped them to portray that visually in their minds. The, the questions definitely helped to guide a lot of the answers we put uh, and, you know, wrote out in the stories. Yeah, but no, I think it's great. So Kishan, do you have some stories you could share with our moms who are listening? The book has, you know, a hundred stories, but the ones that stuck out to me and the ones that were really important for me, as far as including the word stories of everyday Black girl magic, just regular, you know, women who show up and do their best every day and have made marks that may not always be celebrated or told, but they're equally important. Excuse me, I want to read the story of Clara Hale, who's a humanitarian. And Mother Hale, as she was called at her time, was a woman who took in and fostered babies, children. And a lot of them were born ill due to drug exposure in the womb and or just came from families who were unable to care for them in ways that mattered. And this was an important story for me because I am a um, career caregiver, a provider, uh, infant and toddler specialist. And I've been doing that work for about 20 years now. And knowing her story back in the early 90s, late 80s, when I was coming up, it legitimized the interest I had in caring for children. So I'm going to read the story of Clara Hale. And she was a humanitarian and she lived in Harlem and she was born in April 1905 and died December 1992. Some people called Clara a saint but she was just a woman who never turned away a person in need. Clara became an orphan in her teens and a widow after just three years of marriage. She had three children, started a daycare, and opened her home in New York City to foster children. By age 64, Clara had fostered 40 kids. After she retired, she thought she'd slow down, but one day a mother arrived at her door was the sick baby. Clara worried about caring for a child with such serious needs, but the mother gave her no choice. She abandoned the wailing child. 
A few days later, the mother dropped off the rest of her children as well. Claire did what she did best. She cared for them all. Word got out that she would take on even the most difficult cases. Some children arrived so ill that Clara stayed up all night to soothe them. She sang to them, played with them, and read to them. Then she helped the parents learn to care for them too. The community took care of Mother Hale. They donated clothes, food, and money to her and the children. She always had everything she needed. Eventually, the need for her program grew so large, she applied for money from the government. With it, she bought a five-story brownstone that neighbors called Hale House. After Clara passed away, her daughter, Dr. Lorraine Hale, carried on her legacy. She said, as long as there are babies in need of love and care, Hale House must be here to meet their needs. Mm, that's beautiful. And that's one of the stories that was really important to me that is told in the book because, um, you know, I just don't know how many people know about her, but she, you know, her legacy has made an indelible mark upon me and I wanted it, the story shared. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you have one more? I want to share a, a story of poet, our son Shar. Um, I was drawn to her work because she was featured in Beyonce's uh, visual album, Lemonade. So I wanted to share her story. She's a poet and she was born August 1988 and she hails from Somalia and the United Kingdom. Once upon a time, there was a Somali girl named Warsan who was born in Kenya. Her parents had been forced to leave Somalia because war broke out in the country. Together, her family immigrated to London as refugees. Warsaw felt like an outsider growing up in London. It made her think about the true meaning of home. She fell in love with writing and decided to channel her thoughts into poetry. When I was younger, Warsaw said, I wanted to read something somewhere that I could see myself in. But she couldn't find the story she wanted, so she decided to write them herself. She'd use her own storytelling skills to tell the tales of families like hers. She wanted the world to know that refugees go on dangerous journeys to new countries only when they no longer feel safe or have no other choice. Her poetry highlights people in her family and community, like the woman in the hijab she saw on a bus pushing a baby carriage, or family members who fought through war and conflict to establish new homes away from home. To capture the stories her relatives share, Warsan carries a small cassette recorder called a dictaphone. Listening closely to their words, laughs, and groans, she turns their pain and their triumphs into insightful poems. Warsan is the first young poet laureate for London. She has published books of poetry and performed all around the world her words were even included in the album by the superstar singer, Beyonce. I love it. Thank you for letting me share. Yes, yes. I just wanted my mom to get a sense of these stories. They're short. They're like on, on one page, but you get a lot in those stories. Yes. So they're great. So who would you say is the ideal reader for this book? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I mean, this book is really, we say it's for kids six and up. Um, but honestly, parents and everyone could take away something from it. 
I learned a lot reading and um, learning about these, researching these women and putting these stories together. And, and I've been in the Black media space for over a decade now, and I've learned more details, details and specifics about these women's stories that a lot of us don't always get the full exposure to. You know, we may know the highlights of someone's life and the things they've accomplished, but not necessarily the things they endured to able, be able to, you know, for them to be able to achieve that. You know, I think there's something in it for everybody, honestly, for them to take away meaningful lessons. But we, it is marketed and sold as a kid's book. So it's, you know, for girls and, and boys, honestly, it's no... Um, there's no limit to and the type of person who can take away something from this and no age limit either. Uh, parents can read it to their newborns, right? They can read it to their two, three-year-olds. It's just for full comprehension. We think, you know, six and up is sort of the core key age, but uh, I don't think there's any limit there at all. Yeah, I, um, like I said, I've been caring for children and teaching young children for a long time. And I really would think I would be able to read to the three and four-year-olds at a story time at a pre-K class, and I could even see myself truncating it for two, two and a half, you know, just giving them the bits and pieces that a two-year-old could digest from these stories and just letting them look at the pictures and having a discussion about the pictures until they were able to take in the full story. And even I, as an adult, I learned a lot reading these stories and helping put this book together. So, you know, we're marketing it to six and up, but I think it's for everybody. Yeah. So I think it could be really a cool thing for moms or my listeners have tweens and teens. So I think this could be a really great thing to read together for a mom and teen. Cause like you said, I learned a lot of things reading this book. So it could be a, a great tool to discuss together. Yes. I, when we met people at the kickoff to our book tour in LA last weekend, I encourage parents to have their new readers um, to read aloud to them. And I think that's a good way to help children, you know, really connect with the information that they're reading. I read aloud all the time. I read aloud to myself, you know, just because it keeps me in good practice and I like doing it. So I, I've always, even when my children were coming up, I would have them, you know, if it was an interesting story or something they had to read for school and they were having difficulty, I'm like, read it to me. Let's get through this together, you know, and it would be a bonding time, a time for us to interact with the information and uh, I would ask open-ended questions like, why do you think or what might happen, you know, just to kind of extend the learning. Yeah, I think that's great. So what are you hoping the readers are going to take away from this volume? Oh, there's so much I hope that they take away. Um, you know, there's some, to call out some of the key details in the back of the books, I think there's some valuable information there for parents as well as um, a list of activities for um, young kids to take away and do themselves, right? There are some prompts for questions and things that they can do to help um, further harness stories and lessons in the book. And everything from broken down again by the four archetypes we featured in the book, there are lessons and activities around how to tap into your inner creator, into your in, in your into your inner um, innovator, into your inner champion or leader. So those are aspects of part of the back of the book that I think are, are meaningful. There's also a list of resources in the back of the book for parents to sort of look into and share additional um, resources around Black women history and, um, and learning materials to share with their kids, as well as activities for kids to write their own stories and add their own illustrations into the back of the book. So there's some interaction of elements to that I think will be super fun and helpful 
for people who have it. But beyond that, you know, I really hope that kids everywhere and all kids around the world are able to glean from the stories in the book and learn about the histories of Black of Black women in general. So often our stories haven't been amplified um, and centered and celebrated in this way. And I think in order for us to have a truly inclusive world that the new generation of kids coming up need to be aware and exposed to these stories and that these stories aren't forgotten and that they are passed down from generation to generation and that we're intentional about that so that they no longer go underrepresented and that they are amplified and acknowledged and applauded uh, in all the same ways that we have done the same for white men throughout history and other figures throughout history. That's one key takeaway I hope all kids learn and glean from this book and parents as well. But there are really amazing lessons of perseverance, of resilience, you know, it's all the key tenets of what Black Girl Magic really means. There's a wonderful forward in the book that Kashan wrote where she uh, defines and describes what Black Girl Magic is for those who um, may be familiar but not fully acquainted with it. There's an introduction that I wrote that highlights some of the lessons I hope kids take away, but really for kids to be able to see themselves a part of themselves, even if it's not racial representation, which it may be for a lot of the Black kids reading the book, and that might resonate with them the most, which is great, but if they see that they have similar hobbies or interests or passions and um, or professions they want to pursue, that they are able to learn from these stories and be inspired by these women to see that they were able to go on to accomplish amazing, wonderful, remarkable things. Yeah. So Lily, you mentioned that at your first event that some girl came up to you. You want to share that story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had our first book tour event in L.A. uh, this past weekend, and it was awesome to just see the girls interact and kids all, you know, who attended interact with the book and hold it in their hands and express their enthusiasm and eagerness and excitement around its release. And we hosted a Q&A portion uh, during part of it. But for the majority of the time, we were, Kashana and I were signing books for people who um, purchased the book and a lot of moms and parents and girls themselves came up to us and we asked them, you know, as we were signing, you know, what are your hopes and dreams and aspirations for the future? Do you know what you want to be yet when you grow up? And we got all kinds of amazing responses from um, girls as young as six to, as you know, in their teens and tweens. We had a 10-year-old girl tell us she wanted to be a cardiac thoracic surgeon, which was amazing. And I was blown yes. away by that. Yeah. Um, we had a girl tell us she wanted to be a, a veterinarian, but also a YouTuber. We said, well, you could do both. <laughs> <laughs> That's great soccer players, all kinds of things. And one who was actually already on her way to becoming a published author, um, a young eight-year-old girl who wanted to be, who was writing her own book and was telling us all about it. So it was awesome to see that the young folks are already packed with so much magic themselves. Yeah. So Kishan, can you tell me what does Black Girl Magic mean to you? Black Girl Magic is actually a concept that was born in the mind of me as a child. Like a lot of kids, I was thoroughly engrossed in the world of story te- storytelling and particularly fairy tales, you know, that featured witches and warlocks and magicians and things of that nature. And because of what I knew of womanhood was all Black because of my family. And I grew up in a very tight-knit family that excuse me, had a lot of amazing women in it. I thought that Black women were actually magic for a long time you know, because, you know, children tend to be so literal. And I would see my cousin braiding hair and 
I would hear my aunt, we even had stories about just the most mundane things and my grandmother cooking and my aunt who's a nurse and could help us get better and those kind of things. I thought we were actually magic. I, and as I grew up, okay, and got, you know, a more mature thought process, I realized that what I thought was magic was actually just our beauty and our resilience and our skill and our amazing adeptness to everything and how we show up and what we do, even in the most ordinary things, was amazing, you know. So when I started using the hashtag in social media spaces, it was just to celebrate that, that part of who we are as Black women. So Black girl magic isn't necessarily a thing you can get, you know. It's not a thing you can get. You can't trade it. You can't bestow it upon someone. You can't borrow it. It's just who and what Black women are. And I think that it's a thing that should be celebrated. It should be recognized. And it benefits everybody. You know, it's inherent to Black women, but it truly, you know, emanates all over the world. And this book shows you how much it does that. Yes. So where can we find the book and other Black Girl Magic content? Absolutely. So you can find the book on rebelgirls.com. And alongside the book release, we are also hosting a really fun virtual fest on October 10th, the day before International Day of the Girl, that will be all about celebrating Black Girl Magic. It's a free event for kids everywhere to watch and attend. And it's led by a, a dynamic lineup of Black women and girls who will be leading really fun activities from tap dancing to cooking to designing t-shirts to, to creating audio stories. And then we'll have uh, Miss Oprah Winfrey herself will be delivering a special message to kids everywhere during that fest. So you can Very sign cool. up on rebelgirls.com. Yeah. So I am sure you're on social media. So can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. My handle is at Lily underscore works. That's L-I-L-L-Y underscore W-O-R-K-S. And my website is lilyworknet.com for more information. Um, You can find all my social handles on my website, kashawn.com. I usually go by at the T-H-E-P-B-G. It's my old <laughs> handle from MySpace I've just carried around for years. But all my socials are available on my website, kashan.com. Okay, awesome. So Kashan, since you like to read out loud. Yes, I do. I love reading out loud. Can you close our time together with a story, with one more story? One more story. Okay. Okay, I'll do the story of Kamala Harris, our present vice president. All right. Once upon a time, there was a girl who attended civil rights marches before she was even born. Later, her parents, who were originally from India and Jamaica, took her to protests where they shouted chants while wide-eyed Kamala watched from her stroller. Eventually, Kamala outgrew the stroller and ventured onto the streets of Oakland, California on her own. She knew she wanted to be someone who could help others in times of trouble. At Howard University in Washington, DC, she followed in the footsteps of many famous black lawyers who came before her. During an internship on Capitol Hill, she walked by the Supreme Court building every day. On it, the words equal justice under the law were etched into stone. Kamala thought about how to make sure those words were true for everybody. 
He became a lawyer, asking tough questions and battling fierce adversaries with her words. Kamala demanded that people listen to her. She ran for office and became the first ever female district attorney in San Francisco Bay Area, beating out her old boss for the job. She later ran for attorney general of the whole state of California, and she won. Then Kamala climbed even higher. She was elected to the United States Senate. And in 2020, former Vice President Joe Biden chose her as his running mate when he ran for president. The powerful pair won the election and Kamala became the first woman, first black person, and first South Asian person to ever hold that off. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much, Lily and Kashan, for your time today. I know y'all are busy on the road. Many exciting things are going on for y'all. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.